welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite people, Isa Herrera and her pelvic pain relief system. Let's be real for a second. Having kids can be tough on your pelvic floor health. And even if you haven't had a child, there are many things that can cause pelvic dysfunction or discomfort. If you have ever leaked urine as you laugh, cough, cough, sneeze, or jump, it may be a sign that your pelvis could use some help. The good news is that these types of problems can be helped, and that is exactly why Isa is here. In fact, I can say, thanks to Isa, that after carrying six babies, I can jump on the trampoline with my kids or run around to play capture the flag or sneeze when they bring home a cold without worrying about leaking. But I know many women who struggle with these activities. So if you ever have, you have got to check out Isa's free masterclass, which teaches things like how to stop those extra bathroom trips, also how to improve your posture, and to put the fire back in your sexy and bring back your libido with some easy stretches and movements that you can do anywhere, anytime. She also explains why Kegels might actually be causing some of the problems or making them worse, and how to know if that is the case for you and what to do instead. Even your doctor won't be able to share this with you, and Isa has helped almost 15,000 women find relief and freedom. So again, claim your spot at her incredible free masterclass all about pelvic pain at pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. Again, pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. This episode is brought to you by Forsigmatic, creator of all things superfood mushrooms and founded by my favorite Finnish fun guys. I love all of their products and in fact, I am sipping their reishi hot cocoa as I record this. Their superfood mushrooms are always part of my daily routine and I'll often have their coffee plus lion's mane or coffee plus cordyceps in the morning for energy and focus without as much caffeine as regular coffee. And all of their coffee blends have only about half as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. But the addition of the superfood mushrooms gives you just as much brain boost and focus. So whether you're trying to reduce your caffeine this is a great option. Or if you're just trying to increase your focus, it's great for that as well. Or if you're like me and you're trying to do both, you can have twice as much coffee for the same amount of caffeine. Throughout the day, I often sip their chaga and cordyceps in the afternoon for the antioxidants and immunity. And I always turn to their reishi elixir at night for improved sleep. They also just released skincare that is so clean that not only can you eat it, but it's encouraged. Their charcoal mask has activated charcoal to clarify, chaga and cacao for an antioxidant boost, and other superfood and herbal ingredients. It's so clean, you can literally also make it into a cup of hot cocoa. Their superfood serum contains a blend of avocado and olive oils with reishi and herbs for a hydrating skin boost, and it works super well. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 15% with the code wellnessmama by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellnessmama. So again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash wellnessmama and make sure to use the code wellnessmama to save 15%. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and today's episode is going to be so fascinating because I am here with Ofer Breyer who is a world famous talent coach and the creator of something called Games of Genius that we're going to talk about today. In 2018, 
He won the Tribeca Disruption Innovation Award for his revolutionary program, and he coaches the best and brightest in Silicon Valley, and he has taught innovation at many leading companies, including IBM and Disney Imagineering. He developed Games of Genius for parents of children ages four to eight because the educational system hasn't changed in decades, and it's not preparing our kids for a world where robots and AI will outperform humans and replace many of the jobs that exist today. And essentially, this helps children in various different ways. We're really going to delve into them today. Um, but over, welcome, and thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Katie. It, it's a pleasure for me to share, you know, my my my, my knowledge and my thoughts with moms, and I also would love to hear from them as soon as possible to learn more. Absolutely. And I'll make sure we have links in the show notes, of course, to everything that you talk about in this episode so people can find you and learn more. And I love this topic so much because I've said for years that, you know, the modern world has changed so much and education hasn't changed with it. And that's actually one of the reasons that we chose to homeschool and we use a very specialized system with our kids and have tutors that help with the idea of trying to like keep things like creativity and critical thinking um, that sometimes aren't necessarily focused on in school. But I'd love to start off by finding out how did you get into this and into education in general? My dad was um, a teacher. So I was born like 62 years ago, a little bit more than that. And um and, and for me, edu- education was a part of my life. And because all the kids love my father so much, I was in competition, you know, and um, getting his attention. And then I, then I decided that uh, when I was three years old, I decided I want to be a teacher because if I would be a teacher, I would be loved. I just didn't know that some kids don't like their teachers. But for me, it was about how can I get the love from the students like my father did. And I started to teach my puppets when I was three years old. I started teaching at three years old. Wow, that's amazing. And then it's obviously something that's, um, you know, been a theme throughout your life. Is that right? That's what I've I've been doing all my life. Even though when I was a consultant, like for CEOs of companies, um, they used to call me, the teacher is here. Nobody said the consultant or the coach or anything else. The teacher is here. He came to help us to learn. I'm not really teaching. I'm helping people to explore. Okay? I'm helping them to learn, not teaching them. So it's not about teaching. But this is what I found is the best way to learn by exploration. That's what I've done, you know, all my life. I was homeschooled, by the way. Were you? That's awesome. And I've heard you called an education hacker as well. So can you explain what that means or how that differs from just teaching, like you said? When you go in and talk to governments or to mayors of cities and or to principals and you say, let's change education, they said, yes, yes, uh, but they're afraid of change. They will not risk. So they say, what works, works, even though it, it's not exactly what the world needs, it still works, still. So it's either you fight with the governments or either you fight with the, uh, you know, local authorities, you know, you know, mayors of cities. Or you hack the system. And since I'm from Israel, hacking is part of our life. Okay. That's how we, we take care of ourselves. Okay. By cyber hacking. Uh, the good side of cyber hacking, not the bad side of cyber hacking. So for me was, is, is to find a way how to hack this, those systems at the point when they, they cannot tell me that I'm not allowed to do what I'm doing. So when when I went to the, like two years ago to the Czech Republic to change the education system there, the only thing I asked the teachers is, do you really teach the 15 minutes of a lesson? 
did you have, or do you have like five minutes that you talk to the kids, like small talk? I said, of course we have small talks. I said, you know what? Instead of small talk, I give you this kind of games. Play the game instead of a small talk and look for the results. And the results came in, you know, within four months, you've seen amazing results. And then the, the, the education minister came to me and said to me, how did you do it without our permission and got those get results? That was the, the biggest question. Okay? That was the point. So hacking means, look, don't change the education system. Stop trying to change it. It's so hard to change. Add something into it. Imagine like if you, you have a car, okay? Let's make an analogy for a second. And your car has a you know, 200 horsepower uh, engine. And uh, you spend uh, two liters on every, you know, 40 miles. If I double the ability of saving the, the, the gasoline, right, to save the gas, and I will be enable your car to have doubling the power, to double the power of the car. So you will have a stronger car with less uh, gas being used. Would you be willing to give me $100 for this? Now you have a car for $20,000. Of course you would say, I would rather give you $100 if you can make this car much better for such a low cost and less investment of, of or in gas. So this is the same thing. I'm just adding something to the system that changes the system totally instead of trying to change the system. No need. Make a slight change. A slight change that can change everything. You know, there, there was a guy um, 100 years ago, he invented this idea of 80-20 rule. And he said, uh, it was Pareto was his name. And he said that you need to invest in the 20% that creates the 80% of the results. So for me, it was, you know, investing the time on the 1% that creates 99% of the results. That's hacking. Don't change. Don't fight. Collaborate. Make a slight change that can change everything. That makes sense. And I've heard of the 80-20 principle. And I'm curious how, um, like walk us through a little bit of the practical side of this. Um, like what is this methodology and how do you implement it? Because I love that you say you don't have to change the system. It can work with an existing system. I'm assuming whether it be homeschool or regular school, but what does the system actually look like within these games? It, it, it's quite simple. It has four elements. The basic thing that kids do when they're born it's, it's it's simple. You just have to keep it because they do it. You see, kids, when they are being born, they want to explore the world. They have all the motivation in the world to learn how to walk and how to talk and how to communicate. And you know, they have it naturally. You don't have to convince them. You don't send them to motivational speakers. <laughs> okay, they're four months old and they're trying to learn how to move and how to smile and how to talk. So this exploration is natural. Because in the school systems, we are losing this natural ability, we just have to bring it back. How? So we did we did a research that last 18 years. And we watched kids at home to see what mothers are doing with the kids. We just watched them. I mean, we used cameras. Okay, At those times, there were the big cameras with the VHS cassettes kind of, right? So like 20, 30 years ago. And we, we saw couple of things happening when the mother is talking to a child and we saw the development of the children and we did it of a couple of hundreds of kids. 
And the first thing we found that kids, what they do, they're trying to understand the world by doing pattern recognition. They ask, how does it work? Okay. So if, if I have a Lego, they look and say, oh, how did you connect those parts that it looks like a house? Hmm. This is interesting. And then they will take the house they created, they will turn it into small parts, and they will try to build either again the house, which is copy this pattern that they've seen, or sometimes they will try to create a different house or different elements, like let's say like a car from the same Lego parts. So we saw in the videos, hundreds of hours of videos, that what kids do when they're young, let's say between the age of two to six, they play Lego parts, okay, games of different kinds, but trying to break things and assemble them and break them and assemble them and break them and assemble them. And what we saw that they're looking for patterns. When they see a pattern, they can copy the pattern. So if, if he sees, let's say, a train, when he's traveling with his parents in the weekend, he comes back home, he takes the Lego parts and he's trying to build a, you know, a train because he's seen one. Or he's trying to build something very imaginative, okay? Because they can imagine anything. Nobody tells them not to imagine, okay? So what kids do, they do pattern recognition naturally. The moment we start to add data to their life and tests, they, there is no need anymore for the imagination for them, unfortunately, and they are losing their ability to innovate new patterns, what we call patterns design. Look at the pattern. It could be passive, like an art form. It could be an, an, an active pattern, behavior of a parent. You're breaking into the parts. How does it work? How does my parent does it? Okay. How does my parents do it? Or how does, um, um, how does, how does, how did they paint this? Or, or what is the painting? What are the parts? And they look at the patterns, they break them into parts, and they do pattern design. All these two things, pattern recognition, pattern design, is natural, being lost over the years. And it's the most important thing in life. When you communicate with new people, you look for patterns dynamic patterns. When you see a technology, you are looking at the technology as a passive pattern or an active when it's an app. How does it work? How does it work? How can I create something similar? How does it work? Pattern recognition. Creating something similar is, is pattern design. And all this comes to one point, which we call composition. Kids love to compose. They, they love to create things and say, mom, look, look, Look what I've created. And the mom thinks that her child is a genius. And she's right because he has done something that he has not done before ever, just using his imagination and some skills, not knowledge, skills in pattern recognition, pattern design. This is the composition part. And in order to understand how things work, sometimes the child will use something being called analogy. Analogy is just, you know, Three words, this is like. Oh, I understand. It's like a car, but it's a train. It's like a cup, but it's a glass. It's like a fork, but you can use it outside, you know, if you want to plant something. It, it looks like. So we use analogy easily to learn something faster because it looks like so you don't have to understand too much of it. You don't have to analyze. 
So these four elements, pattern recognition, pattern design, analogy, and what we call real-time composition, are the natural elements of development of human. If you look at kids, you will see that's what they are doing 90% of their time. However, when we start to teach them and to take them into test and to test their knowledge and not to test their creativity and their ability to recognize new patterns and ideas and concepts and technologies, okay, that's where starting to lose them and their creative process. These are the four elements, pattern recognition, pattern design, real-time composition, and analogy. We are just bringing back what was natural for the child. And the moment he has that back in him, his motivation to explore the world grows by thousands of percent. And all the greatest inventors of our time have these four abilities. They love to explore. They are highly motivated. Look at Elon Musk and people like him. These are the leaders of the world. And that's why they do so well. So Elon Musk went to look for how NASA is sending uh, um, uh, uh, a rocket. And he said, but why can the rocket come back? Why does it have to spread into parts in the air, you know, in, 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 in the outer space? I want to create something that will come back. And people in space in, 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 told him, it's not possible. But for a child, nothing is impossible. And he's quite childish, Elon Musk, but very mature when it comes to creation. And this is kind of the people who lead the world. He looked at the patterns of behavior of the, of the rocket. He knows something about science, but he's also a very creative person and made some analogies to other fields and recomposed the rocket saying it can come back and go back and forth, back and forth, you know, to the other space and send some materials over there, or whatever they need to do. Like a, a truck rocket, okay? like a truck that, you know, takes things over to the, to the sky. These are the elements. That's so fascinating. And I think it's probably a pretty universal sentiment among parents that, you know, we all want our kids to grow up, to have certain traits and to be kind and to contribute to the world, but also to um, be able to have some degree of success in whatever that is in their life. And so I'm curious, um, I mean, we, we alluded to it, but with the, the current education system, not necessarily being the entire solution to that type of equation anymore. And so I'm curious if there, if you can speak to the like nature versus nurture part of this equation, you know, for kids, how much of this is innate talent or things they're born with versus things that we can nurture in them, no matter what gifts they may or may not be born with? Look, that there are two two parts into that. Look, as I told you before, pattern recognition, pattern design, analogy, and composition is natural. They have been born with it. Without that, they couldn't learn a new language, okay, to control their body and to become more physical, and even to learn um, emotional cues. Oh, my father's laugh is is uh, smiling at me. Oh. Maybe I will learn how to smile back. Let's see what the feedback will be. So this multi-talent ability, multi-talent ability is, is by nature we've had it. However, there's another part. Because parents don't know how to grow those geniuses, multi-talents, they don't know. And they're guessing, but they don't know. By chance, one out of 1,000 kids will walk through the right path with his mother or his father, but it's by chance. Because no, but nobody shows us the process. And therefore, 9, 999 out of 1,000 
we lose it over time. Because to tell them, you have to read and write, you have to learn mathematics, you have to read this, you have to learn that. These are the things that you have to do, have, have. But is it correct that you have to do them? Yes, of course, you need to learn how to read and write. Yes, and you need to understand some mathematics and physics and sciences. But the question is how to learn it and how to understand it and how to make it useful for you. So nurtured, it's because we lost it. When we went to the kindergarten at, at the age five and, and we were studying how to read and write and understand the world in some ways, and they didn't let us to ask questions anymore. Why? Because there are 20 kids in the class, so I am the teacher. I will ask the questions you answer at the test or at your homework. But kids, the questions for they question forever. They can ask you why 20 times, one after the other. They can ask you what? They can ask you how, how things work. And then when they go to school, we ask the questions. We don't let them ask the questions. And they are losing this ability to explore those things out there. And then when they grow up, we're trying to teach them creativity, which was natural. Okay, we send them to, to read books or to go to, to, to events about motivation with motivational speakers. For what? They've had it before, but they have lost it. They have lost. So now we have to nurture what was lost. It's natural. All the kids learn how to walk and, and, and how to speak and how to smile naturally. So they can learn everything naturally. But we think, because we were educated in a certain way, that there are other things more important than this. Let's bring them back to the natural state, okay? They've learned the language out of nothing. They came to the world without knowledge of the language, because if the child was born in England or the child was born in Turkey, it could be the same child. But it's not by nature for him to speak a language. He's learning a new language depends on which country he lives in. So it could be a language of behavior. It depends on the context. The ability is the same ability. All kids have the same abilities. And now it depends how we nurture it. What is the environment he lives in? Like which country, which city, which are his friends? Who are his parents? What do they know? Do they know how to develop a multi-talent personality? And, and do the do parents understand that he must be a multi-talent personality because we don't know what will be the jobs of the future anyway? So you can teach them coding, but is coding is the profession of 10 years ahead? No, for sure. It's the best profession now. 10 years ago, nobody knew that there would be a profession of social media experts. And maybe in 10 years from today, there will not be one. Maybe social media will be done by, 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 by AI and robots. So it is natural. Let's bring it back because it's the fastest way to learn something out of nothing. And the child is learning something out of nothing, a language which is out of nothing. He's learning behavior out of nothing. So it depends on which family he is, which country. Like kids in Turkey and kids in China, they behave differently. I just gave a, a lecture uh, for a graduate uh, uh, in business in, in Stanford. And I came to this event to speak. And I was shocked. It's Stanford. One guy 
was a Jewish guy from Russia. 99 other people, or were the graduate there, were Chinese. So there is something in China that is happening that makes them highly motivated for success. Okay, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's good or bad, okay, because I don't know the other parts, okay, the, the negative parts of it. But I'm saying that when you look at Chinese people and you look at Italian people, Italian people, you know, or, or, or Spanish people, they want siesta. They want to enjoy life. Chinese, they don't enjoy life. They need to get somewhere. So it depends on the environment. But the child is a child. Take a Chinese guy who was born on the first day, send him to, to Spain or, I don't know, to Venezuela. He would behave differently, even though he's Chinese. So can it be nurtured? It should be nurtured. Is, is, is there something natural there? Yes. And it's so simple. We don't have to seek if my child is musical or not. 99% of the kids are musical. 99% of them physically can be built to do martial arts. Would they become the best in the world? I don't know. But all of them can do it. So it doesn't matter which field you're going into. It just depends on what you do with the time you have. Nurtured, natural, it's a composition. That makes sense. And that's good perspective. And I love that you mentioned kids naturally asking why so much because I have six kids and I joke in my bio usually that I'm highly experienced in answering the question why because I get asked it a lot um, with all of my kids. But I also have always had this kind of sense that that was a really important teaching moment and that, that those were great times to like keep their curiosity and to springboard that curiosity into other things. And my husband and I have also talked a lot about how, just like you said, we don't even, like our careers that we have, I'm you know, a blogger, an author, an online creator, that didn't even exist when I was a kid. So I could never have thought to be that because it didn't exist yet. And likely our kids will have the same potential in their life of being able to be things that don't even exist yet. And so how do you prepare them for a world you don't know? Um, and our thought was you want to make them things like adaptable and able to learn new skills quickly and creative and like connect dots where other people don't see them, which sounds like the same thing you're talking about. So can you um, explain like on the practical side how or maybe what these games of genius are and then how they're helping to ignite those things in children? I'll show you an example, very simple example. <laughs> Two days ago, I sent it, uh, those games uh, to a guy in, in Hong Kong and he said, um, let me try it with my kids. I gave him like five, five exercises, five games. Today, he wrote me an email. He changed my whole perspective about my life, <laughs> about my own creativity, not about my child. <laughs> so what is it? It's quite simple. Imagine, this is the most important word in the world. Imagine. Imagine you have two pens, okay, two crayons. One of them is black. One of them is yellow. And you hold them in your hand. One is on your left hand. One is on your right hand. And the only word you will hit from me, I will say to you, change. And I will not say any other word. Naturally, after two seconds, the child will change that the yellow one will go to the left hand and the black one will go to the right hand. Please remember, right hand was with the black one. Change, probably the child will change positions. You can do some other things. Most cases, 90% of them change position. Now, 
Here's two elements, black and yellow. And now when you turn them, it's yellow-black. There's a ball pens. Imagine that one of them was big and one of them was small. And both of them were black. And it would tell you, change. So you'll have big-small and then small-big. And the child will tell you, now the big one is on the right hand instead of the left hand. Oh, so we know the pattern. We see the pattern of two elements. We can see it in colors. We can see it in shapes. We can see it in, in formats. We can see it in different ways. Okay. Now I'll tell you, go to the piano. Go to a xylophone. Here are two notes. Just two notes. Two black ones. Near the, one, the, one near each other. Can you play? the first position and second position, like you did with your hands. So, black-yellow, yellow-black. And now the child goes to the piano and plays Do-Re, Re-Do, Do-Re, Re-Do. Hmm. Now he made an analogy from a visual world of colors changing positions into two notes. And then you take the child and tell him, let me teach you martial arts. And then he says, okay. You can hit me, you know, hit me in my stomach, lightly, please, don't kill me, and my shoulder. So there are two elements, right hand, left hand. And the child will do right into the stomach and left into the shoulder. And then you say change. And it will change, it will change positions, which means first the shoulder, then the stomach. But if you tell him also change hands, then instead of left, right, he will do left, right, right, left, or right, left, left, right. Now, we started this lesson less than 40 seconds ago. The child knows two moves in martial arts, or maybe four if he changed hands. He knows how to make a pattern of colors and shapes, big and small, yellow, black. And he can play two melodies, do, re, re, do. Imagine that after seven minutes, he will be able to do 260, to play 216 melodies, zero mistakes. And remember which one he played and which one he didn't play yet. This is a magic. A magical moment for a child. I can play 216 melodies. If somebody would have told me that he can teach me 216 melodies within seven minutes, I would not believe him. Mathematically, it's possible. So we nurture the mathematical brain instead of teaching algebra. You start to see patterns in mathematical forms. The point is that it's very hard to teach mathematics because mathematics is abstract. And children love to use imagination at least until the age of 11, when they start to completely lose it because of the education systems. Okay, Most of them, not all of them. But suddenly, in the next seven minutes, I'm learning to do 2,216 moves in martial arts. And in the next seven minutes, 2,016 drawings of shapes, of patterns on a cup. After 21 minutes to do all this, it's basically doing the impossible. You have to see the faces of children playing so much music and drawing so well after 20 minutes. You should see the faces of the parents. 
They run to bring their cameras immediately. They want to send it to grandma and to friends and to put on Facebook. Look at my child. Seven minutes ago, he, did, he knew nothing about the piano. He can play 260 melodies. My child is a prodigy. And it's just a skill. It's not knowledge. This is just a slight example out of 14,400 games. But it's not about the 14,400. Why? Because over time, the parents, who will use it also in, at his work, by the way, naturally, besides of with the children and at home, it will become a language at home. When they will go to a restaurant, they will think how to design the plate. When they, when they travel somewhere and, and they look, and they look, you know, at, 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 at a field with, with flowers and they will start to see patterns and they go home and they do pattern design with flowers, like, you know, like a flower shop. It's everywhere. It becomes natural as a part of life. And if you can see patterns, how you can see patterns in marketing, in branding, in technology, because it's all about pattern recognition. So all those games, simple games. However, if you go to, to game number 2000, now you will not be able to do it. But game number 2000 is as easy as number one if you follow all of them as a sequence. One, two, three, four, five, until 2000. You can get to 2000 games in less than a year. And your child will be able to learn patterns in history in class or English lessons 10 times faster than his friends. That's so incredible that it's almost like unfathomable to, to understand it. And I'll, of course, put links in the show notes so people can actually experience it to see because it truly is astounding. Um, so how are these most often implemented? Are these typically done by parents or are school systems now implementing this? Um, and kind of what's the best way and age and timing to implement the age could be three years old and above, okay? But if you take a six years old, you will learn it very fast, okay? Um, kids who are 12 years old, in the beginning, they go slower than the kids of six years old, but within two weeks, they become faster than six weeks or six years old. And why? Because they've seen more in their life, so they have more data that can be useful for this uh, creativity. However, the, the implementation was done in two ways. We do it in a couple of countries. One way is we go to school systems, we train the teachers, and after the teacher understands the language and know how to speak the language, he will go into class and he will create his own lesson plans, like you will do, by the way, all the parents. You will create your own lesson plans. You will be able to do this. Okay, It's like a platform for you. Now, in the school systems, the, the teacher is getting into class, play a game between three to seven minutes, and then she teaches... You know, the class subject, like could be history, could be English class, or could be mathematics. So they play a game at the beginning of class every hour. The results are phenomenal. We have now in the Czech Republic 2,000 kids going into this process with 80 teachers, and it's growing fast. And the results are phenomenal. Unbelievable results that, that they have. And it's the teachers that do it. With parents, it's quite easy. You get all the videos, just follow them. Watch the video, do the game. Watch the video, play the game. Watch the video, play the game. That's it. You play the game and the child plays the game. Both of you have to play it because you have to speak the same language. Okay? And you be, and you have to become a model for the child. Although over time, the child will become your model. Now, 
when you do it once a day for seven minutes, okay, the abilities in, in, in creativity and in understanding comprehension of uh, sciences and, and technology and stuff will grow by X2, yeah, by, like, by 2X, right? Like by 100%. If you pay two games per day, you double the speed. If you pay three games per day, I can tell you that what we've seen, that many parents started with one game every day, seven minutes caught your child. That's it. It's an exciting moment for the parents and the kids. However, the kids, they create the demand. Hey, can we play another one? Can we play another one? Can we play another one? And suddenly you can see even a six-year-old child playing with a brother who is 12 years old because it's the same game for both of them. Now, that becomes a communication system at home. And they start to see patterns all the, all the time and exploring all the time. So for parents, you can do it once a day. You can do it in breakfast if you have the time. You can do it in the weekend, like for one hour, playing those games. It's better if you do it every day because the brain can 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 accumulate itself, you know, and 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 uh, and sink into this kind of thinking. So it's better to do every day. If you skip one day, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And if the kids want to do two or three or four of them per day, and it can become even a, a nice evening at home when we play and we bring other people, and and we bring grandma and grandpa, and if we can meet with them sometimes for the weekend or on a vacation, and play it all around. And because it can be played anywhere, anytime, with any material that you find in, in nature even, that it becomes easy. I can tell you that kids fall in love with it. And for a good reason, that immediately they can show how smart they are to themselves and also get, you know, recognition from, from the environment. Because getting recognition only from parents is not good enough. If you're not good at something and your parents are telling you that you are great, you're deceiving them. They know that they are not good. However, if they are good and they don't understand that it's good, then you have to help them. But after, what if they are good and you're telling them that they are good? That's the best way to go. Oh, this is wonderful. How did you play those things? Now they, they go into a chess board and suddenly they can see patterns. They can follow your patterns. They can deceive you in the game. They can find new ways to play the game. They, they go into the kitchen with mom and say, mom, but can, can we cook it this way instead of this way? So it's everywhere. So the moment you do it, like two day, two games per day or three games, it will take you around 20 minutes. So I believe most people would love to, to devote 20 minutes to coach their children for, for this kind of brain, you know. Uh, however, it will become natural. So you will play the game without noticing when you're traveling, when you're going, when you're meeting, when you're home, when you're cooking, when you're doing other things. So over time, after like three months, it becomes natural. So you continue with the games because they teach you the next level, the next stage, okay, of development, okay, because it's always kind of trying to take you to the next level. But it becomes natural. So I've seen parents just doing this all day long at work, on on Skype, on WhatsApp, Calling the kids, hey, I saw this, then, then, or they take videos of like patterns of cars on a highway, and kids look at the patterns of the behavior of cars, how they move, and how. So it becomes a language. But two to three games per day, it's plenty. 
this episode is brought to you by one of my favorite people, Isa Herrera and her pelvic pain relief system. Let's be real for a second. Having kids can be tough on your pelvic floor health. And even if you haven't had a child, there are many things that can cause pelvic dysfunction or discomfort. If you have ever leaked urine as you laugh, cough, cough, sneeze, or jump, it may be a sign that your pelvis could use some help. The good news is that these types of problems can be helped, and that is exactly why Isa is here. In fact, I can say, thanks to Isa, that after carrying six babies, I can jump on the trampoline with my kids or run around to play capture the flag or sneeze when they bring home a cold without worrying about leaking. But I know many women who struggle with these activities. So if you ever have, you have got to check out Isa's free masterclass, which teaches things like how to stop those extra bathroom trips, also how to improve your posture, and to put the fire back in your sexy and bring back your libido with some easy stretches and movements that you can do anywhere, anytime. She also explains why Kegels might actually be causing some of the problems or making them worse, and how to know if that is the case for you and what to do instead. Even your doctor won't be able to share this with you, and Isa has helped almost 15,000 women find relief and freedom. So again, claim your spot at her incredible free masterclass all about pelvic pain at pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. Again, pelvicpainrelief.com forward slash healing. This episode is brought to you by Forsigmatic, creator of all things superfood mushrooms and founded by my favorite Finnish fun guys. I love all of their products and in fact, I am sipping their reishi hot cocoa as I record this. Their superfood mushrooms are always part of my daily routine and I'll often have their coffee plus lion's mane or coffee plus cordyceps in the morning for energy and focus without as much caffeine as regular coffee. And all of their coffee blends have only about half as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. But the addition of the superfood mushrooms give you, gives you just as much brain boost and focus. So whether you're trying to reduce your caffeine this is a great option. Or if you're just trying to increase your focus, it's great for that as well. Or if you're like me and you're trying to do both, you can have twice as much coffee for the same amount of caffeine. Throughout the day, I often sip their chaga and cordyceps in the afternoon for the antioxidants and immunity. And I always turn to their reishi elixir at night for improved sleep. They also just released skincare that is so clean that not only can you eat it, but it's encouraged. Their charcoal mask has activated charcoal to clarify, chaga and cacao for an antioxidant boost, and other superfood and herbal ingredients. It's so clean, you can literally also make it into a cup of hot cocoa. Their superfood serum contains a blend of avocado and olive oils with reishi and herbs for a hydrating skin boost, and it works super well. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 15% with the code wellnessmama by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellnessmama. So again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash wellnessmama and make sure to use the code wellnessmama to save 15%. I think to help people understand a little bit more too, this is not like your typical just online video game right? Like I know a lot of parents are familiar with some of those like ABC mouse or these different online learning games for kids. So I'd love to hear a kind of your opinion of those kind of things, but also just uh, maybe differentiate a little bit more the nature of these games so parents can kind of understand how they're implemented. 
I will. For, first of all, you know, they say that if you have a screen and you work with a screen, it's interactive. I'm sorry. I'm talking about real interaction. Not with a screen, but between two humans using physical things. It's very nice to drive on an Xbox a car. But it doesn't mean that you will be able to drive the car outside the house. Because on Xbox, you can make an accident and nothing will happen to you. In reality, if you have this kind of an accident, it will be a disaster. So when we talk about interactive games, it means like, let's play together physically. And that also helps us to perform communication around it. It's not like I was playing on my computer for two hours and then I'm sharing with my parents what I went through. No, we are sharing now in real time. We compose in real time. We're playing the game in real time. We look at each other's eyes. We enjoy, we have fun together, not alone in front of a screen. In front of a screen, there's a lot of loneliness. Even if you play against other kids in other places on the screen, you're still lonely. So in fighting this loneliness, which is one of the problems of our society, we make everything interactive. Because we need the brain and the body, okay, and the mind to be connected well to each other, doing those things. You can throw a ball on an interactive game, but it's not like holding the ball and throwing it. Not in the brain, not in your body, not not development of your body and not development of your brain. There are other parts of the brain that work when you're moving physically to develop the brain's ability. So we can go like this. We can take two shapes. Like we take two Lego parts or we take anything. We take an iPhone and a pen and we start to see combinations, different kinds. We play with them. Hey, look, hey, this looks like this. This looks like this. We, we start to make like analogies immediately. We compose. Okay, and it's a, com- a, a, a family of composers. And then we say, okay, let's move to the piano now and see what we can do on the piano. So the child is doing something. I'm doing something. And then there are games that we do together. And it sounds beautiful, by the way. It sounds like like the musicians. But we are not teaching you to become a musician and not a designer. So we move from design to music, from music to martial arts. And each one of them is up to seven minutes. Because the reason is not the after-school activities. It is just this, the tool that we are using. And then we can move to choreography and then ballet dancing. And then we play chess and then we go to cook and then we do other things and we can move from one field to another all the games i've designed are around 14 fields but they can be useful uh, in other fields and then we can go also to the xbox and start to see patterns there and play together okay and now what's happening that are through those series of after school activities let's call them okay those forms of arts and sports and, and brain and brain and triggers, we start to develop high-level imagination. But also there are other things that are being developed in the game, which are important to know. One is the engineer's mind. Why? Because we construct all the time. Okay? We build something new. There are two other things in, in those games that are happening. You know, you know this guy, Steve? You know this. You know Steve. I'll tell you in a second. And do you know this? His friend, other friend was called Steve. They changed the world. They invented the iPhone. Highly imaginative machine. 
at those times. Did you know that you can move your finger on it and push things like in a book, you know, and move them around? Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. One was, he came, one of them came from design. He was a designer. The other one was an engineer. Imagine those two elements of Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak in the brain of one child. One is imaginative and artistic, and the other part in the brain is engineer. So all those games, okay, are creating these kind of elements, okay, these kind of skills, imagination and engineering at the same time. So it doesn't matter where we move. So you want to, to patterns with flowers, it's fine. If you want to do something else, if you want to learn coding, you would start to say patterns immediately and you create a game, okay, by coding something. The basic element is design, okay, in different fields, okay? The design of a combat in martial arts, real-time real design, design of improvising music, it's design, it's still real-time design, real-time composition. So we go through these games, and every day we explore new abilities because the span of attention of kids is pretty long. <laughs> and they need to move from one field to another every couple of minutes. So if they do it naturally anyway, why don't we move? But in the back, on the back of it, there's one system that they're learning. So... It's the patterns in arts and in music and in, in cooking and in chess that are the same. And suddenly we have one brain that can be used for all with all the skills into all professions in the world. These are the games. It's so amazing. And it I mean, it, it's clear how it can prepare them for a wide range of futures and in a so much more practical way than just strictly testing and schooling, but I am curious because when you've mentioned pattern recognition, for instance, an analogy, like those are things that are very common on IQ tests and also when I took the Mensa test. So I'm curious, does this have an effect on intelligence or IQ? I know that wouldn't even necessarily be the goal, but I'm just curious if there's a passive impact. Let me tell you a story. Okay. We did not do any academic research in it. However, we do have results. So when we started in the Czech Republic, we do it in Israel, Czech Republic, you know, in uh, Singapore and many countries. But in, in the Czech Republic, when we started, there was a teacher that is teaching retarded kids. Retarded means IQ 50. And please remember that retarded kids never raise IQ. And one day the teacher came to class, okay, when I was training them, the teachers. These are teachers that I was training, not my trainers. These were the first, the first people I trained in the Czech Republic. And she's an expert. She learned all the courses in the world and all the books by psychologists on how to deal with retarded kids or what we call unfortunate kids. <laughs> and one day she said to me, Offer, would you come to see my class? I said, sure, I'll travel there. I took the train. I had to travel over there. And I came to the class and she says, you see this girl? Four months ago, before we started to play the games, like three or four times a day. This girl didn't know how to count from one to 10, and she's 11 years old. Four months later, she could count to 10,000, and she can do adding and subtracting, which you couldn't do before. We saw how it was developed by your games, and some of the games that she created, because it's an open source, so you can create your own games. So she created her own games based on the same model. 
Then she shows me the other girl. Look at her. She's 12. She can read. She says to me, she can speak quite nicely. She can write words. However, she was not able ever to compose a sentence. Now she writes stories and poems. Four months later. And then, I didn't know, but she did an IQ test to the kids. Because they have to do every six-month IQ test for some reason. I don't know, it's the law or something. She said, offer. All the kids raise IQ between four to seven points, which is almost impossible for a regular child to go through. Nevertheless, you know, retarded. Last night, I had a, a webinar with them, with the teachers. And she told me that one of those kids on this class, they like 11 kids in this class, went through a test that they have to do every year. And the test, okay, declared that he's normal now and not retarded. And she says it's only about the games. I remember a couple of months ago when, when she told me about those two girls that couldn't read and do mathematics, and she asked me, Offer, how does it work, the system, on, on this kind of kids? And he said to her, Susanna, I have no clue. I have no idea how does it work. But let me ask you a question. You have an iPhone. You use it. Even though you don't understand how it works, and it works great. Just continue. I have no answer. I did ask some professors, okay, one of them from MIT, about, you know, about those games, what it does. And they said that what the games are doing, they create a new connections in the brain that have been lost. But it's not academically researched. The research will be done probably next year. For now, what I can tell you, we see the results. We see classes of kids, okay, of underdeveloped class, not retarded, but, you know, kids with issues. Seven kids from one class, okay, went to competition in sciences. It never happened in those kind of classes ever before in the Czech Republic. Usually it's the kids from the gifted class, classes who went like two or three of them for a competition. Can I explain exactly how it works? No, but it works. So, yes, I'm sure that if somebody will go to a Mensa test, I'm sure. I don't know. I cannot promise. After playing one year of this, it will be easier for him to show improvement in IQ. Although IQ is not the most important part in our life. We will talk about it by the end of, the, of this call. Yeah, I think that's a huge point as well. And definitely, I'm glad that you brought that back up, that that's just one measure. And I agree, not the most important, especially when we're talking about long-term success for our kids and, and the things we actually hope they enter adulthood with. I think that's a really, really important point. Um, I'm curious too, because there's a lot of parents listening. Can these games be helpful? You mentioned even like a 14-year-old kid could learn them. Can they still be helpful for older children or are they really just effective in that four to eight-year-old range? They're effective for every age. I've seen kids of 17 years old moving so fast. Unbelievably. They can finish those games like, you know, like, like eating rice. One, two, three, four, five, six. They move fast. Is it helpful for them? Let me go farther than 17 years old. I've trained people in my country for a special unit in the, in the Israeli army. It's, it's the cyber unit. Many of them were accepted to this unit, which is hard to get to this unit because it's the highly qualified, intelligent um, kids. 
I was in I, when I was working for 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 when I did this workshop for workshops for for Disney many years ago. Some of the people that asked me, you know, offer can we go like to um, people that I knew in this in in, in Orlando? And they said to me, can we go to Miami to an elderly house? I'll come to this elderly house. I'll go up there do a workshop with these games. These are eight years old kids, <laughs> eight years old. And we play the games. And suddenly one of them, he went to the door, he closed the door, like a 90 years old guy, closed the door. He went to the window. It was the 14th floor or something. I don't remember. He threw the keys outside to the swimming pool. And he told me, Mr. Pryor, we are all millionaires. You're not going from here. Because this is exactly what our brain needs. Don't go from here. After two hours, we can feel that the brain started to work again. So 17 years old, they would love to do it. It's even beautiful because the 17 years old would love to show it to other kids who are who are six years old and five years old and play with them. This interactive, really interactive game, it's a game for everyone. I've done it for companies, you know, like Microsoft and playing those games. And people were able to see how they do pattern recognition in business, in marketing, in sales, in, in networking easily. So if you have a child of 17 years old, let him lead the games at home. Become the leader. Play the games with the kids. If, if, I mean, if you have older kids. And, and There's no one in the world that does not need to, to work on his pattern recognition and pattern design abilities. And to use his highly imaginative brain. No one. Yeah, that's wonderful. And yeah, I'm so excited to continue this journey with my own kids. And there are a lot of parents listening, both homeschooling parents and working parents, who probably are wanting to figure out like how to implement this in their own life. And I'll make sure that link is in the show notes as well. But to speak especially to the homeschooling parents for a minute, I'd love to hear your thoughts on if you could kind of create what you would consider an optimal learning environment or an optimal education type system in general. Obviously, it would include these games, but do you have any other insights of what kind of environment it would be or other factors that could help kids in, in various ways? There are many things we need to teach our children, but let's, let's start from the beginning. We talked about pattern recognition, pattern design and analogy and real-time composition. We develop imagination system, engineering abilities, okay, and research and development abilities, which we haven't talked yet about them. We teach children how to research and how to develop something out of it, not to make a research for the sake of research. Okay? Imagination, engineering, research, and development are the parts that created the iPhone. Okay, so I will go in a second. I will explain everything. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, imagination and engineering, when they meet up, they formed a team of research and development to create iPhone, right? All this in one person's life can help us to use these four elements of analogy, real-time composition and stuff, and using these sources of imagination, engineering, research and development into the fields that I believe are the fields of the future. Arts, so whatever artistic thing you do at home, Bring the analogy real-time composition into it. You must teach your children to understand technology because these are our partners for life, at least for the next 15 to 20 years. 
So if, if they need to learn to learn coding or, or, or engineering or uh, electronics or anything else, we need to teach them sciences. Because when you want to build an iPhone, you need to understand, you need to understand chemistry and physics and, 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 and other things. Okay. And you have, we have to teach them also economics. Okay, because economics is a part of, of the business of life, of saving, of investments, you know. And so when we take the whole picture of arts, science, technological skills, sciences, sciences, arts, technological skills, and economics together, with the skills of, of imagination, engineering, research, and development, and with the source code of analogy, pattern design, pattern, and real-time composition, okay, then everything that you teach at home, teach them technology, they need to know. Teach them arts, they need to know. Teach them sciences, they need to know. Teach them economics, they need to know. And if you connect all of them through those four elements and develop Im imagination in technology, imagination in science, imagination in economics, imagination in arts, engineering in technology, engineering in economics, engineering in sciences, engineering in arts, research in arts, we do, in res we do research in art. Okay, and 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 in order to create something new, right? And if you do research in technology, research in science, okay, research in economics, development of arts, okay, new art forms or, or new designs, the development of technology, development of of, of new economical uh, models, development of sciences, it's one world. So, if there is a plan at home to teach our children about sciences, arts, technology, and economics. Through these four elements of imagination, genetic development, and research, through the games of analogy, pattern pattern design, and real-time composition, the child will become a polymath thinker. These are the next century innovators. If you go to Wikipedia and you read about polymath, like poly and mathematics, polymath thinking, you will be surprised that this was developed more than 600 years ago. And some of the most amazing innovators of the world have been these people. And since the world is about innovation, and since everything else will be done by machines, okay, we can connect those elements into one language. Teach them sciences, teach them technology, teach them economics. In our model of 12-year development of children for the school systems, as well as in the long term for the parents, we will combine everything inside. For now, we're doing just the arts, but then we connect it into technology, into sciences, into economics, and the games continue to help the child to be able to innovate by the age of 11. I mean, scientifically, doing the work of innovation, not a game of creativity. So just connect all the dots because it's all one. So all these four elements should be around all these areas of arts, science, technology, and economics. However, there's one thing we need to understand. The moment we develop a smart human, we need to develop a good human. We don't want the child to be highly intelligent, a billionaire, leading the world of technology and science and economics, and have a bad heart. So in our system, we also combined these elements which is not on this first course, but it's on the next courses, how to make this child becoming the most successful on earth and know how to bring everything back to society.
because this is crucial. If the child does not have the, the, the heart of a compassionate person, okay, it will be used in a bad way. So over the time, we work on that part too, being compassionate, thinking about the others, thinking about the poor. And how? Not by thinking, by taking action and creating innovations that will help technologies, whatever, that will help the poor people to survive, to grow, to learn, to become like us. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that is truly the key at the end that you mentioned is also making sure that they have a good heart and a kindness and a desire to help others, that that absolutely is the key or else you could be creating an evil genius of sorts. So um, I love a focus that's so important. You know, I, I come from a Jewish family because I live in Israel and my, my parents went through the Holocaust. The guy who killed 6 million Jews and another 13 million Russians and another... Okay, I will, I will not mention his name, came from Germany, basically. Um, this guy was brilliant, but so mean. We don't, this, we don't want these kind of kids. There are destroyers in the world. There are minority, but there are a lot of developers in the world. And we want our children to be there. So like in the schools that we are working, we teach them how to take care of their environment and the local neighborhood and do things for the neighborhood to enable old people or retarded kids or people with Asperger to communicate better. We, we teach them how to create those things that will not be for money. They need to create something. They need to do something. They need to take action to understand compassion, not to learn about it. So this is part of the work. I love that. And I can't believe how quickly our time has flown by. I know that you guys have created a special link for anyone listening. It'll be in the show notes as well, but it's gamesofgenius.link forward slash wellness mama. But can we end on a practical note of if people want to start with this? And I, I know that I'm doing it and I'm fascinated by it, but if other parents want to get involved or parents want to get their schools involved, um, how can they do that and keep in touch with you? It's quite simple. I answer emails every day, around 200 emails per day. Just write to me. Just write. Tell, tell me your needs. We manage it here in the office. Like if, if it's like a regular answer, like that can be answered. So it will not be me. But if it's a real question, how to get it into schools, we know how to get it in schools. Yes, we want to get it to the schools. We want it to be in schools and at home. So you just write to me to offer O-P-H-E-R at stages.global. That's where I answer. And, and, and the rest of it, if you just go and, 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 you, and you start the course and you download it and you start to play the games and you have questions, okay, we will have a Facebook page when you can answer, ask me questions and you can talk to me. I'm there and I'm trying to be there as much as I can to really support, to answer the questions and to learn, okay? And, and, and to take um, every problem that we, we need to face and how to face it and how to do it because children are different and environments are different. And, and um, so it's, it's quite easy. We are there. We, we have a whole team and people will answer you and work with you. And, 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 and if it, it has to be me, don't worry. I do answer, answer a lot of emails, okay? And, and on Facebook. Amazing. And you guys will find me in that Facebook group as well. Um, it's 
fascinating these games truly are. They're fun for parents as well, like you said. And again, the link is um, gamesofgenius.link forward slash wellnessmama. And that will be in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm, along with some additional links to things that we talked about today. But thank you so much for your time and especially for the work you're doing for our children and for the next generations, because this is truly astounding. It's really amazing. And I'm so appreciative of everything you've done. Thank you, dear, so much. You know, it's a life mission. We have to do it. And, you know, in our office, we never use the, the word should. We don't say we should change education, we change. So I think that in our case, okay, if we all take the responsibilities, okay, in, in those fields as parents, as teachers, even as kids and 17 years old kids, you know, I think we're going to have a much better world. And very fast. I agree. And that's why I was so excited to have you on. And I think that's a perfect place to end. But definitely, if you're listening, highly encourage you to check it out. Um, Amazing and a fun bonding experience with your kids that has ripple effects for their whole life. Um, So thank you so much for being here. Thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope that you'll join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.